So Pastor Don, I, I, lo I love what you're saying, you know, that, you know, the apostolic is not a, it's not supposed to be just a title and it's not supposed to be a, like you're the king over people. And so I love what you're saying that you, you, your door is open to the, to the anybody, you know, because they actually need, they need somebody to help them move forward. So I love, I love what you're saying. Um, and okay, so I mean, we see, we just mentioned it previously that we're seeing it in the charismatic church. Mm. The charismatic church is supposed to be a church that is Holy Spirit empowered. Mm. There should be evidence of the power. But it seems that more and more churches are backing away from the demonic mm. uh, in terms of deliverance, in terms of healing. You know, I mean, and we see it in the scriptures. What did Jesus do? He preached the gospel of the kingdom and then he healed the sick and he cast out demons. That was what he did. So anyway, so, so share with me, why do you think, why, why are people backing away from, from the, the, the fullness of, yeah. of Christ? Again, people don't have to agree with that. But my personal take is this, that the, the ministry, the fivefold has been infiltrated by people with ulterior motives. And chief amongst those, they see an opportunity for self-enrichment. Let's not beat about the bush, that's what it is. So everybody sees this as, a, as another opportunity, avenue to make money to whatever, whatever, whatever. So the church has been infiltrated in that regard. COVID was not from God. I will never say it was from God. But the providence of COVID was this, that in a way it has kind of helped to, to cleanse the pulpit. Um, we do a lot of rounds in the country as IFCC leadership. We come across, we hear stories of, you know, churches that have shut down, it breaks your heart. It really breaks your heart because when you say a church is shut down, it means those people, uh, who knows where they are, what they're doing now, who are followers of Christ. But then the question I would always ask would be, <laughs> to me it's a very simple thing, you know, what was your stance during COVID as a pastor? COVID, the providence of COVID is that it exposed a lot among us as pastors. During COVID, I'm one of those who nationally went against everything that we were told to do. We were advocating and saying, no, it's not right. Um, we were labeled as rebels and we were called names and we stood up to the president. I think we had about 11 meetings with him, standing up to him and saying, president, we don't agree with you. As believers, this is what we believe. Um, and I'm not ashamed to confess this, that we never shut down our church. Never shut it down. Because I ask myself this question. If I'm going to shut down the church out of fear of a sickness or a disease, will I come back again after this thing has subsided and claim that Jesus is the healer? That's a good question. When do you know that Jesus is the healer is when there is sickness. Pastor, don't I with that reckless that you're going to hurt people and destroy people? No, I'll shock you. We never had a spiral, a spike in deaths in our, in our congregation. We had everybody who matters, who could have 
being our enemy, come from other towns for services. I have to ask this question. If Paul, Peter, James, John were there during COVID, what would they have done? Remember now that these guys were told, you never preach and use this name again. If you read the book of Acts, it says the magistrates, it was legislated, told them, we're releasing you, but you never. And these apostles asked them, you tell us, do we fear you or do we fear God? That's the choice. Now we're talking serious stuff here. Now, there were pastors who were, I called them advocates for COVID. <laughs> These were guys who were sending out statistics of who died, how many died, what you must do, what you must not do, how many times you wash your hands and what you do. Not once did they ever talk about the healing power of Jesus. Now, COVID is gone, and now they are resurfacing. People are asking, but pastor, where were you when we needed you? That's a very serious matter. To me, it's not, it's not a comfort zone. It's not something where you can be reckless. You don't do that carelessly and put people's lives at risk. You don't do that. But God speaks to us. You know, the first day the, pro the president pronounced lockdown, I can take you to the spot where I was in Port St. John's. I heard it. I heard it on News 24. I read it on my phone. I screamed so loud. I didn't know what COVID was, number two. I didn't know what lockdown was. I've never been exposed to that. But all that came out of my spirit was, this is not from God. And we're standing against this in the name of Jesus. The next thing, I contacted pastors that I knew. I said, guys, let's stand against this. This is not from God. This is not from God. And guess what they did? They opened for the taxes to carry 100%. They opened taverns but they would not open the church. And pastors were clapping for government. How could I do that now that this thing is gone? Where do I get the guts from to even stand up and say, Jesus is the healer? He heals when there is sickness. He delivers when there is oppression. He saves when you're a sinner. You don't come to the choir and say, Jesus saves. They know they're born again. So to me, this thing is very real that the charismatic church, we talked ourselves out of the miraculous. I'm not talking about being reckless with people's lives. Please hear me out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about hearing from God, doing what the word says, you know, and walking by faith and not by sight. You know, we went to do funerals. I remember my wife would go to a home and they are crying. This thing was bad. People are still hurting from COVID. Our work as a church is cut out to, to minister healing. Don't say now it's over, no masks. The wounds in the people's hearts. So she would go. I remember this one time, people that we loved, their mom passed away. It was very sad. So my wife walks in there and she hugs them and prays. And they're pushing her away. Pastor, I'm sorry, please don't touch us. She says, the blood of Jesus. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. Hey, here we are today. I'm not trying to say people who died in their faith. I'm not saying that. But for me, it was an acid test 
when do I say he heals? It's when there is sickness. And here this evil demonic thing from hell is attacking community, communities and humanity. Isn't that the best time for us to say he is the healer? Yes. And so to me, I'm praying to God that myself included, we can just come back. We've, we've drifted so far away into logic, you know. We're talking about demon deliverances and stuff like that. It's, it's not our main emphasis. I must say that because now people will think I'm walking around casting out demons behind every bush now. But if a demon manifests in my presence, I'll cast it out. That I don't compromise. Doesn't matter where the person is. And we're in this church, my wife is ministering there. I was not invited, but I was around the area, so I went to join her in, the, in this evening service. She's ministering the word, and she makes an altar call. I'm sitting with a pastor and his wife, the host pastors. She makes an altar call, and people come to the front. We, we've come to expect that. If anybody walks in there is demon-possessed, that thing has to go. And these demons started manifesting. And I'm thinking, okay, let me maintain protocol. Um, the pastor is here, and there are people on the floor screaming. Some are running everywhere. And my wife is standing on the pulpit, and she's like casting this thing out. And I'm thinking, okay, pastor, what are you going to do now? Hey, hang on. I realize this guy is not moving. I said, forget protocol. I went there, and I helped my wife. We started praying and casting out these demons. Here's the one example. A lady working for clicks. she had the name tag. <laughs> still in a <her> uniform. <laughs> Woo, she was so pregnant, but bumping her stomach on the steps, you know, leading to the, to the platform. And she was manifesting. Yes. So and she manifesting was, a demon. man. So we started, you know, calming her down because we were worried about her pregnancy. So we're casting out the demon. And then I thought to myself, let me call the pastor's wife. They're still standing there like nothing is happening. I called the pastor's wife. Ma'am, can you please come? Do you, is there anyone who knows this lady from church? Because I'm worried that um, from here she must go, you know, see the doctor because of what she was doing here, rolling up. And then an usher comes and says, no, we are colleagues, also still wearing the uniform. <laughs> And I said, now, nah. and the usher asked me, why, why do you want us to? I said, listen, ma'am, do you have a car? She says, I don't. I said, um, I think you'll need to have a car after church to take her. At least she must drive home. Uh, I said, because I'm worried about her pregnancy. And this lady, the colleague, says, no, this woman is not pregnant. I said to her, no, ma'am. I said, listen, look at her. So she was lying facing down. <laughs> and we turned her up. This one jumps like, what? She said, this woman is not pregnant. I said, what do you see? Because her buttons were popping off in the shirt. Then I knew, this is a demon. And we cast out that thing. Finally, literally, she burped, and she went, this big sigh of relief. Peace came all over her. Wow, she opened her eyes, and she said, thank you. Yeah. The pastor's wife says, you will stop going everywhere fooling around. Satan is not going to leave you alone. She's telling this woman. And we're busy with others. There's the pastor on the microphone. <laughs> he says, okay, guys, we're almost done. We're still casting out demons. He says, tomorrow, 
come with money, you're going to buy hot dogs in the caravan out there for 15 rands, and we got uh, T-shirts for sale, and uh, tomorrow there will be a tax shop out there, and uh, God is going to move tomorrow. I'm thinking, here are demons manifesting. You are selling hot dogs on the microphone, and it's not even our church. So I thought, no, he can think whatever he likes. We prayed for everybody there. He drives us to the hotel. You won't believe what I thought he was going to ask or comment about it. No. He started gloating about the new car that he bought. I said, you can't believe this car, what it does. And I'm thinking, God, is that how far we have fallen from our primary calling, which is to do the works of the ministry? So to me, it's a reality. It's a yes. reality in the charismatic church. Yes, yeah. and critical. Eh? I mean, yeah. the demonic, I mean, it blocks yes. it people from growing in Christ. If we don't confront the forces of darkness, they are real, but we will never be scared of them. I said confront. Yes. Not, not scared around them, avoid them, confront them. Because the authority we have is the authority of Jesus. He says the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that resides on the inside of you. It's not that I'm tr you trust yourself. You trust that power within you. It's a matter of faith. It's not a matter of feeling or whatever. It's a matter of faith. So it's a very serious thing. And I can go through things, but for respect of people, we know churches where we've gone and the pastors have come up with things and say, we don't make sense out of this, but it's happening. When you talk to them and ask them, my brother, confront the devil. Don't, don't, we've seen those churches stand up. Yes. Because this thing is real. Hmm. Yeah, so we need to walk in our authority. <laughs> yes. But I, I also loved what you were saying about, in, in terms of COVID and that time, what I pick up is like, you like, we're going to obey the word of God. Yes. We're going to preach the gospel mm, mm. and we're going to do the will of God no matter what. Yes. And I think that's probably something that's been with you from the start. Even yes. when that headmaster <laughs> confronted you, you were like, I am going to preach the gospel. And I love that. That's so powerful. That's a boldness yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, that you carry. Okay. So let's get into just quickly break down yes. the, the Mark G, the M-A-C-H-G mm. framework. Yes. Mm. So what mindset would you say a key truth or principle, a mindset that you've embraced over the years that's been key for you in terms of um, the apostolic or, you know, or the evangelistic or, but the pioneering spirit, what, what would you say? Just one main truth or principle or mindset that you've embraced. It is how God wired me. I'll start from there. The way I am, it's not by coincidence or a fluke of nature. It's how God wired me. By my nature, I love challenges. Um, if you say to me it can't be done, then you, you are sending me. Okay. Literally, that's how I do things. Okay. Uh, God says to us, just an example, uh, let's put up this structure uh, in Umtata, uh, where, I mean, <laughs> nothing happens here economically. Um, we're just a consuming community. And when God said, let's do this, I still remember <laughs> at the time we had 300,000 rand in the bank for building, our building project. <laughs> I had a board 
um, I, I bless them every day. But uh, man, you know, they were one of those guys who you can't go to battle with. Uh, you are the enemy, not the enemy. <laughs> and uh, you know, when we would have board meetings, I would have my stomach upset the whole day because I'm thinking, good Lord, tonight we're having that board meeting. <laughs> you know, we would discuss in the board meeting a price for a flip chart. The guys would tell me, no, 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 don't buy it from East London. It's expensive. We, I will call the, my suppliers in Durban who are supplying me in my business. The flip chart. Yeah, flip chart. <laughs> um, so we come back next month. I've got the codes from Durban. And the guy says, why, why are they that expensive? Is this London still selling at their price? So I must go back for East London three months. We're still debating the flip chart. <laughs> And God says, okay, um, expand. And I'll never forget this. Please allow me, I'll be very direct. We, I come here in this property where we are, we're looking for a venue, they had a house here for our school. We, our, our primary school had outgrown the facility we're using, so we were span, expanding. And this lady says, now there is a place for rentals. So we came to see the house. And I'm in this angry mode with what's happening in our church. We are not breaking through. We are just not breaking through. There are guys here who are holding us hostage, that kind of a thing. So, <clears throat> and then the lady says to me, oh, by the way, Pastor, they are selling this piece of land. I blurted it out to her. I said, you don't talk to me about people selling land. You know, I'm angry. <laughs> So I drive back to my office, sit down, literally sit down on my desk, and guess what? That voice of the Holy Spirit says, did you hear what that lady said? Pick up my cell phone, I call them, where are you? No, we're still standing here, I said, wait there, I'm coming. I drove here like lightning. I asked her, did you say they're selling? She says, that's what I was telling you, Pastor. Do you know how much? She says, no, you can make an offer. I said, okay, who do I submit this? She says, the owner's son is running a business in town. <laughs> I quickly ran back to my office during the first days and I wrote out this offer. You won't believe me. It was so ridiculous, uh, the amount that I had in my mind. I didn't know whether it was relevant, current, or going right. He said 190,000 rand. We want uh, 890,000 rand. We, we offered <laughs> the six hectares of prime land in Umtata where you can't even buy a site to build your house. That's how Umtata is. You can't find a site here. So here's six hectares, 890. We send it to the guy. He looks at it. He says, my dad, who is retired now in Durban, will never accept this. And the guy says, okay, make it 900,000 at least. I did. He, he, he faxes it to his dad. <laughs> Come to my office the following day. You know, all those olden days, we had the fax paper lying everywhere from the fax machine. And they start cutting up fax. And they bring this one. The guy responded. He says, the son told me that somebody needed a few square meterage for whatever they wanted to do on this site 10 years ago and offered him 1.2 million and he turned them down. Mm -hmm. Here I'm offering him 900,000 for the whole six hectares. The guy responds, he says to me, considering that you're a church, I accept your offer. I said, thank wow. you, Jesus. So I go to him. What year was it? 
That was nine, 2001. I drive with my accountant, one of the leaders. We have lunch with the guy. I had a bank guaranteed check of, 300, of 150, 300,000 rand. I was going to negotiate because the banks were not going to give us a bond. I said to the guy, listen, we've got this check. Uh, I'm not sure if this makes sense. Then we can make arrangements from here. For whatever reason. This gentleman says to me, no, 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 I want 150,000. I said, no, 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 you can take this, 300,000. He refused. We came back with the check. He wanted 150,000 rand. Then we pay him off monthly kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. I said to him, but sir, he says, no. So we come back with the check. I phoned the bank manager. Please write out a 150,000 rand check for me. I'll post it to the guy. The following day, coming back from Durban, here is a fax for the, from this guy. The gentleman says, listen, second thought, I don't trust you guys. Give me my money, 900,000 here. Now I'm thinking, okay, we only have 500,000 in the bank. Where do we, where do we take, get the balance? <laughs> I respond to him, I say, okay, <clears throat> give me 14 days. We're gonna pay you your money cash. Cut the whole story short. Best friend of ours in the bank, senior gentleman, Mr. Carlton Brenner. I honor you, sir, if you are still alive. I really do. Uh, he's now retired. Mr. Carlton Brenner, he meets me there. He says, Pastor, I've always told you, if you as a church would like to do anything, buy land or something, come talk to me. I says, as a matter of fact, you know, there is land we're buying. He says, no, come talk to me. So <laughs> I go see him. He refers me to the manager. The manager is a member in our church, and the husband is in the board, our board, that board. So I'm sitting there, and this lady says to me, and my accountant sitting there, she says to us, Pastor, this is favor that you are given here. She says, but my only concern is I don't think we can afford this. She says, I know what our, I mean, our good month. In 2001, our good month, Income-wise, we would bring in about 22,000 rand a month, 2001. And she says, Pastor, you are not even given a bond. They are giving you an overdraft, which you have to service. I said, fine. She says, our requirements from you is 25,000 rand every month. I said, no, we'll, we'll, we'll have that. Um, and she looks at me. I mean, the husband is in the board with the flip chart story. <laughs> and she says, Pastor, you don't understand. These are her words. Please don't bring shame to the kingdom. I said, ma'am, we're going to do this. She's on the computer. The voice of the Holy Spirit <laughs> says to me, no, nah, not 25,000. Make it 50 every month. <laughs> I stop here. I said, ma'am, wait, 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 wait. Make it 50,000 every month. My poor accountant, she just disappeared on the chair next to me. <laughs> and the lady was so angry. And then I said to her, I'm standing up, I'm walking away, there's no deal if you're not giving us 50,000. Obviously, she did that in anger, we signed it. And she went home, told the husband, I called a board meeting, I said, guys, we're buying land, and this is the deal. I'll never forget that picture in my mind, where these guys, now, you won't believe what they told me. They said, this reveals your stupidity. How dare you do this? You've just killed whatever we thought God was building here. 
How dare you do this? And I remember my words. I said to them, okay, guys, thanks for your opinion, but I've signed the deal. Tomorrow, I'm sending the check. We're buying that piece of land. All of them, the following day, they submitted their resignations, a big number resigning from the board and leaving the church, except for three that stayed. What a sigh of relief. I said, thank you, <laughs> you got Jesus. Delivered. You got delivered. I said, you've delivered me from this. Wow. <laughs> now I said, we're going to see the kingdom of God expanding. I was so excited. I mean, people are leaving. I was so excited. We don't have a board. I said, thank you, Jesus. Man, I stood up in church that Sunday. I said, guys, we're buying this land. And I've sent the check through. I said, until that title deed is in my hands, it's still not our land. Man, I, we, I said, whatever you can give us, you know, from a church that was raking in 22,000 on a good month, averaged 19,000 every month. And there we were. And for the first time that year, 2001, our books went, were audited externally. When the audit reports came and checked our financials, <laughs> The church income grew by 66%, excluding the 450000 we paid to the bank in four months. Four months later, I had the title deed here. And I thought, okay, they said I'm killing the church. If I'm killing it this way, let's kill it all the way. <laughs> so that, to me, is one of those principles. If God commands, mine is to obey. It's not to reason things out. Yeah, when he speaks. He, yeah, speaks. When he speaks. When you hear his voice, you Man, you, and do it. Now, I've lost pastors in my team because of that thing, where they say, when we did ever stop? I say, until Jesus comes, or, or we all die. If God speaks, don't talk me out of it. The best talking we can do, pray. I believe in a God of miracles. Amen. You know, we are sitting here during COVID, the height of COVID, <laughs> we finished this building. In the height of COVID, it was so unbelievable that SARS in this London called our accountant and our auditors to ask where are we getting the money from because businesses are shutting down and companies are folding up. And here, <laughs> so we had to go and explain and thank God for this. People would deposit in the ATMs, my offering. my So we had everything there. So I believe in a God who can do, you know, this morning I was meditating on that scripture. What is, what is humanly impossible is possible with God. Yes. In Umtata, an environment like our environment, here we're sitting with a structure of 286 million rands cash. 286 million. 286 million rands. Yeah. Explain that to me. That's Where cool. is logic? There, there's no logic. <laughs> you can't talk me out of this. I believe in a God of miracles. Jeez. He can take a few pieces of fish and bread, multiply that and feed multitudes. He can take the last bit of oil, multiply that and save that family. If he's the same yesterday, today and forever, why do I want to change him? Yeah, that is powerful. CNN won't change me. Mm-hmm. BBC's in ENCA. I'm not stupid. I read, I watch things. 